go. Well, Cassie Blair, welcome to the journey. And um, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to join us this morning. Uh, and uh, let, me, let me just briefly explain a little bit about what the journey is. And um, the, the journey is really an opportunity to try to capture um, stories of just ordinary people who may have throughout their life have had maybe either obstacles in their life that they've um, uh, had needed to address, needed to overcome. And then what was the stories of what they learned um, overcoming those obstacles and learning from those obstacles. Um, or maybe they've been, uh, they've had something that they're passionate in, on their heart and that as they were uh, attempting to bring that to fruition, their passion to fruition, um, like many things, there's, uh, there's, we may, uh, how do they say, it? fail forward, right? We may, um, may learn as we're as we're struggling to try to do something new because part of that struggle is part of the part of the process. So, but so, Cassie, welcome uh, again. Welcome to the journey. So, as we get started, I always ask. Um, what, what does Cassie do for fun when she has an opportunity to have fun? Okay, well, first, Kevin, thank you so much for inviting me here to share mm -hmm. uh, my story with you here today. Fun, what do I do for fun? Um, I mean, I'm really a very quiet, calm uh, person. Okay. So um, fun for me is foraging through uh, an antique mall or a vintage bookstore. Oh yes, I could do that for days actually. <laughs> um, let's see, I mean, even the forest. I love to look for treasures in forest, uh, treasures out in the forest. I love nature too. Uh, like to spend time out by the water. Not so much water skiing and the social types of things, but just um, quiet time alone. So what does Cassie do for fun? That's what she, and I'm a bibliophile, the truest sense. I love books, all things books and text. Gotcha. So, uh, well, speaking of the books, uh, so is there any particular book that you are reading currently or have recently read that kind of uh, kind of stands out to you? Well, my book stack is really big, <laughs> um, and I'm really big on audiobooks. Mm. I love listening to them. If I'm in the car, if I'm sewing, the one thing I didn't mention for fun is all things fabric. Of course, that's just kind of in me, but. Books, I mean, I listen to audiobooks all the time. Brene Brown, anything by Brene Brown has been very inspirational for me. Um, I also like um, The Untethered Soul. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've read that. Yep, yep. Love that. Um, anything on Huga? Haig? Haig is how it looks. Huga? Oh, yeah, yes. Heard of that, but yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, love that. Mm -hmm. So The Untethered Soul, um, and and Brene Brown's books, uh, you know, she I I listened to a couple of her podcasts, and uh, so I really appreciate some of the work that she's doing and and stepping out and how um, transparent she is with her own journey. So I, I really appreciate that. And um, the unto the untethered soul that is as small of a book that is that was definitely um, one of those ones that I found pretty challenging because um, it, it was a it was it was a I enjoyed the read, but it was definitely one of those ones for me, at least, that I had to spend some time contemplating. And, um, I had to read it in chunks. I had to read it in smaller chunks and not just read through it. Yes, um, it's definitely a very deep book that you have to really take some time. And you're right, in chunks, little pieces. As a matter of fact, we have a, um, my family is starting a reading group, um, hopefully soon on that book, so that we read it. And then we get together on Zoom and we discuss pieces of it to kind of reflect on each other. Um, Think Like a Monk is another one. I know it's one of the popular ones out there right now, but it's really a good book. Sure, sure. Scott, okay. so, yeah. Yeah, that one I'm not familiar with, so I, I'll, have to, I'll have to look into that one. So Yeah, it's good. So tell us a little bit about, so Cassie growing up, when you were growing up, where, where did you grow up? And where did you, you know, grow up, grow up, and then high school as well and, and all that? moved to Missouri with my father for his work and we lived down there for just a few years and then right back here <clears throat> spent the rest of my growing up right here in Rockford uh, my parents did divorce when I was gosh what was I sophomore in high school um, that 
separation started when I was a freshman. Really difficult age to go through that. Um, and then I spent the rest of my time, you know, in Rockford. I now live in Pecatonica, but that's um, that's due to a marriage that I moved out here for. So, um, and of course now I have the quilt shop, but <clears throat> yeah, so I've spent most of my time in, in Rockford and I'm one of those that, I mean, I actually like Rockford. I do. Rockford has a lot to offer. I know it gets a bad rap, but I think, you know, it's like anything else. If you look for the good, it, there's a lot of it there. No, I, I agree. I've, I've uh, grew up, my early years were in Rockford and then we moved out to um, McChesney Park and I graduated from Harlem, but obviously we were still pretty closely tied to Rockford. Um, and uh, and we've, my, my wife and I have, have chosen to raise a family and, 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 and invest in the Rockford community because I agree there's a lot of good things in, in the mm -hmm. Rockford area. Um, tons and tons of outdoor activities, outdoor parks. Um, and, and, and now there has been a growing over the last few years, a growing um, uh, downtown and the arts has been, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, very, um, a lot more to offer. That's for sure. Uh, for sure. Right. Absolutely. What, and what high school did you go to? I went to East High School. Oh, okay. All right. That was the mm -hmm. high school my uh, my wife graduated from. So she graduated from okay. East in the in the early eighties. So. Um, oh, me too. Yep. When I've seen pictures of her, she did look familiar to me. Oh. Now I'll tell you, in high school, I was the quiet girl that kind of crept along the side of the hallway. I spent my free hour in the library. I helped the librarian. Okay. Um, lunch hours, I was often, um, I didn't belong, I didn't fit. Mm. Um, I come to find out later, uh, people thought that I was very stuck up. Mm. I wasn't stuck up at all. I didn't even have the confidence to be stuck up. So no. I was much more just shy and, um, and some other things that we'll go into in a little bit. Well, it's interesting that you talked about being quiet and then that translated to other people or interpreted by other people as being uh, conceited or stuck up because that was a similar experience that I had um, specifically when I was in middle school, a little bit in high school, but I was really shy. And, and I, I don't know if I was necessarily an introvert, um, but I definitely was shy and did not have um, the, the social uh, social intelligence or social understanding um, because I just hadn't been exposed to that. And when all of a sudden, because of sports and different things, I was getting a lot of attention. I had no idea how to handle it. So I figured being quiet about it would, <laughs> would be probably the best way of approaching it. But I got the same kind of label of, and I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't know what stuck up meant. I didn't know what conceited meant. Um, it didn't sound like it was a compliment, but it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant until someone Lynn later sh told me what it meant. And I'm like, kind of like yourself. No, that's probably the farthest thing. Um, right. Insecure was probably a much better word uh, to describe um, uh, how Definitely. I, how, how I was feeling at least at the time. So, yeah. So. Yeah. I get that. So for you, sim similar to myself, reading and stories were, were early, was an early part of your, um, part of your life experience and, yes. and, and getting into through stories, through books and th stories in other fashion was a, was a part of your experience growing up. It sounds like. Yes, very much so. It was an escape for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I agree. So, um, so then you, you kind of mentioned a little bit, and, and as you, I know we've talked about this before, um, and you're aware of the, of the young adult uh, suicide prevention program that I created called Shatter Our Silence. And you alluded to um, that there were some other things that were going on during your young adult years. Um, maybe kind of venture into that a little bit. Sure. Well, part of the reason too, why I wanted, um, why I'm grateful to be uh, one of your guests here on the journey is to be able to share that I too have um, navigated and um, struggled with depression most of my life. Uh, it's not just an occasional thing. You know, I think most people deal with it occasionally, of course we do, but I have struggled with it since childhood and my, uh, it goes back to the earliest memories of about the age six. Um, just had a conversation with my family last night about it again, just to kind of refresh my memory and. Um, very traumatic. There was a period of time there um, 
that that started um, at the age of six. So just a little girl. And all through my life, as I um, grew and um, managed that, you know, most of the time I just felt odd, like I didn't fit in and there was something wrong with me. Um, why aren't, why can't I be one of the popular girls? Why can't I be like them? You know, whatever that is. And as I became an adult and more self-aware, um, I, and, and got some professional help. Thank goodness that's out there. Like your organization, KP Council. Um, I came to realize that, um, in very young adulthood, I found out that what I've been dealing with is depression. Um, and, and I have managed it since then, sometimes real well and sometimes not so well. Um, but now at my age when I'm gonna be 58 this year, so I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, and uh, let's see here. Um, part of it too that I can say is not only um, depression, but what I've learned through that is it's also really important that as you're going through life to when you have layers of grief, you know, we, we each suffer grief for different reasons and different ways, but if that is not processed and addressed or allowed to express itself and you get layers of that over time, um, it manifests into some pretty wicked stuff and it's really difficult to, to manage and navigate. So I've gotten pretty good at that, especially the last few years. And when you um, and when you and when you spe when you're specifically referring to grief, because we can grieve over and maybe get into this a little if it, if it applies, but it's not just a loss of a, of a significant other, uh, you know, loss of a loved one, meaning via death, but it also could be a loss of a relationship. It could be a loss of oh. of a possibility or a dream of how how uh, a job. It could be uh, there's so many different things that we can grieve over. Absolutely. Yeah. Or like, you know, I mean, with our kids, I know what one of my big sources of grief is, um, I mean, I have felt like I um, didn't, uh, let's see, I'm searching for the word here that I wasn't able to provide for my son emotionally the way that I thought I should have at certain times. And he's assured me that, mom, I'm fine. Really, it's good. It's my issue. It's my issue more than his. But still, that's my grief, and I need to deal with that. And, or yes, a marriage. Um, you know, when, when someone walks out of a marriage, absolutely devastating. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to get over that too. Or um, one of the things I did was I went into teaching, went and got a graduate degree, um, financed it, lots of money, went into teaching, didn't turn out the way that I thought that it would. And I walked away from that. So there was a grief there too, that I spent a lot of time working on and then didn't, it didn't work out. So yeah, we all suffer grief in different ways and it's okay, yeah. Touch on, touch on that, if you could, for a second, about uh, when you went to, when you started this, the process of going to school, it sounds like to be an educator, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, what were, thinking back to that time period, what were the thoughts about why you wanted to be an educator or how did that all come about? And okay. yeah, I, I, because a lot of times we're going to have people that are listening that they are trying, they're searching themselves to figure out where do I fit in? Where, where do, you know, um, you know, for some, what does God want me to do in this world? Where do I, where's my purpose um, from a standpoint of occupation? Um, so I'm always curious when someone has a, has a thought, moves in that direction, and then commits the time and resources um, to, to following that. Sometimes it works and sometimes it was, doesn't work out. Sure. Um, well, I had always wanted to be a teacher since I was a little girl, which um, is kind of surprising because school was very difficult for me as a child. But I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, Matter of fact, I would even, uh, one of my mother's friends would, was a librarian and she would bring us retired school books. And my parents even set me up with old school desks in our back porch of our home and I'd play school. I loved it. And I was initially, when I was in college getting my bachelor's, I was thinking of being a math teacher. I loved math. And I remember my dad sitting there one day at Aunt Mary's. Remember Aunt Mary's on East oh, yeah. Street? Yeah. It's oh, still yeah. there, but now it's different. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, 
always sit in there and says, well, you know, if you've got that kind of a brain, you know, you should get into business, make some real money. I mean, I can still remember the conversation. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, my choice, it wasn't his choice. I mean, you know, I, um, I kind of got romanced into business. Um, I allowed that, you know, and I did. And I like it. I mean, now I own a business. I absolutely love it. But so instead of becoming a math teacher, I went into business and uh, it was okay, but I was just putting profit in someone else's pocket. It was all about money. And um, money has never been a source of joy for me or happiness, certainly not contentment or fulfillment. It, you know, we needed to pay the bills, put a roof over our head beyond that. No. So when my son, uh, I ended up divorced from my son's father when he was about a year and a half. And so I was a single mother for a long time. And I walked away from a full-time job and found a part-time job that paid me well enough that I could take him to school every day, be a room mom, and I bought a house. I used my marketing degree to do that and it was worked out really well. Well, that position was starting to change and I had to make some decisions. You know, am I gonna go find a full-time job and leave my son all day, every day? Or am I gonna now gonna become that teacher that I've always dreamed of being? And I thought, then I'll have my evenings and my weekends free and my summers free, right? That's what you think. Okay. Uh-huh. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I did. I got the financing. I applied. I got accepted into graduate school. Went forward to become a teacher. Um, graduate school was fun, but it was, um, I actually love school now. Um, but it did take a lot more of me than what I had anticipated now, remember, I made this decision to keep my son the focus of my life. I loved being a mother, best title I've ever had. And so I thought by being a teacher, I was making the right decision to continue keeping that focus and that priority. And it didn't turn out that way for me. Um, graduate school took me a lot more um, time and energy away from my son than what I had anticipated. And that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm sure people think, well, of course it did. What did you think? Um, I didn't, I did work for part of that and didn't work for part of it. So, and then uh, when I became a teacher, love the kids, love the routines. I mean, I just love everything about it right down to the smell of the crayons, love it all. But the amount of work and commitment that it takes to be a good teacher in today's world absolutely wiped out my life with my son. Absolutely. As a single mother, no way. So the most stressful, emotionally expensive, mentally exhausting time that I had as a single mother. I regret that. Mm -hmm. I do regret that. Mm -hmm. um, he had to live without his mother being as present. And is he fine? Sure. Um, I wanted to be a hands-on mom. That was my, that was, yes. I didn't want to pay someone else to do it. I wanted to do it. Well, and Cassie, I, one of the things that I, I hear, you, hear you saying is that maybe that part of you that <clears throat> beat yourself up, right, over choices is, is probably <laughs> what, what, you were, what you were just saying. But what I really heard you also saying is that you missed out on that experience while you had to study while you had to to you know be grading papers and prepping for the next day or, or whatever it was those were times that you didn't get to have being Correct. a mom to your son and uh, and I think sometimes we I know at least for me um, my my children were both really young when I opened up KP counseling and and so and and I was grateful that Diane, my wife, was able to, to be at home and be there. But there was things that I missed that I, I have, I did not get to experience. I just didn't get to experience certain things because I had to work. I just, or I had to, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it may have been. And, um, and I think when you were talking about grief, we, we sometimes grieve what we lost and sometimes we grieve what we didn't experience. Mm -hmm. you know we absolutely yeah so we we know it could have been but then it's so that's I think sometimes why uh, uh, sometimes grandparents um, have, have they've become better 
they're better grandparents than they sometimes, uh, they're more present grandparents than they were parents. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, ho hopefully we learn. Yes. <laughs> and then take advantage of it when we do have the opportunity. So you're, uh, how old is your son now? He is 22. 22. Okay. Now, do you have just, just one child? Yep. Okay. I have just one. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. And what, and what is, is he live in the Rockford area or? Mm -hmm. He does. He lives in Rockford now. He, he used to live with me, but now he lives in Rockford and, and he's good. He's really good. Um, I, I just enjoy him thoroughly. Very interesting young man. Um, yeah, I'm so proud of him. So. And what is, what is he, is he working right now doing school? What's, what is he doing right now? Um, he's not in school. He, he has chosen not to go to school. And I, I support that because school is certainly not the only route for mm -hmm. kids to go. He doesn't fit in that box. It just doesn't fit him at all. So um, right now he's been working seasonal work and I'm doing some work on his own on the side for people. He does power washing and some other stuff. So, and as long as he is happy as he's finding his way and feels a purpose, mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, and I've encouraged him to, as long as you're finding your way and you're feeling a purpose and you, you know, um, he's good. So, and I, okay. you know, I'm a mom. I mean, I keep my eye on him. Yep. Sure. So does his dad. Sure. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I know that. So, so, well, tell us a little bit, just so we can kind of, kind of finish that story aspect about being an educator. It sounds like you were a grade school teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, you were primary at the primary level, and then how long did you teach before you said I, I have to step out of this? Well, I was full time in the classroom for three years, okay. and then I taught in other um, respects, different part time positions, or reading uh, teacher thing for another three years. So, but the full time teaching position was um, the last of the three years, and when I was doing that, like I said, love those kids. Um, my health was declining, my stress was increasing, my blood pressure was going up. At the time I was married um, to my second husband, and I hated that we have to number our spouses. <laughs> but, um, and we would take walks out in the country. And um, he was really concerned about the stress that I was under and what was happening to my health. I mean, as was I, but I was trying to figure it out because I had put a lot of time into becoming a teacher and I really cared for those kids. Uh, and I would, for therapy, I would go into our local quilt shop in Pacatonica. Just therapy, just inspiration, just a deep breath of color and creativity. And, oh, it was so nice. So I'd step in there. And uh, I signed up to take quilting classes. I was a city girl in Rockford. When I remarried, I moved out to the country where there's horses and, you know, a farm and fell absolutely in love with it. So I took a quilting class and loved it. Loved everything that it took, taking scraps and pieces and putting it together to make something whole and beautiful. I mean, very much like life. And so as I was going into this shop, occasionally the owner, she started saying to me, you know, I'm thinking of selling this and you could buy it. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, I just financed uh, um, a graduate degree to become a teacher, you know, and I haven't taught that long. I don't think so. And she was also a retired teacher, so she knew the stress. Well, I'd go in again, you know, a couple months later or something. You know, we really are going to sell this and we'd really like you to buy it. Now, I'm not sure why she had me figured out, but she knew I was teaching and under a great deal of stress. And um, finally, one day, taking a walk with my husband out in the country, I said, you know, isn't it something that a lady who owns a quilt shop, she's actually suggesting that maybe I should buy it. And I just said that to him in conversation, fully not expecting him to grab it. Um, I mean, he owned his own business. And so I was the provider of insurance through the school district. Uh, I, just, I just didn't think it was even a possibility. He says, well, let's go talk to them. And really? You know, okay, so we did all right, well, let's just go see. Fully not expecting that to happen. Well, we went and talked to them and sitting right there at that meeting, my husband says, you know, I think this is doable. So after some hard conversations 
and who we decided to buy that quilt shop and I left being a teacher and um there's yeah there's some grief there too um it's like whew. now I can tell you even though there's some grief there that I put out because of what my son sacrificed that's why if my son hadn't sacrificed anything for me to become a teacher eh, oh well but he did he sacrificed and then I walked away from it. So now I own a quilt shop and it has turned out to be the greatest blessing in my entire life. Um, I mean, God put me exactly where I needed to be to fulfill my purpose in many ways. So, um, so yeah, tell us, uh, how, so how long ago did you, uh, by the quilt shop and then um and obviously that would be the around the same time that you left the school system um and mm -hmm. yeah so let's start there how how long have you had the quilt shop okay so it was the summer of 2015 okay. uh left teaching bought the quilt shop so now as of last september i've had it for five years <laughs> it's kind of funny because Prior to um, walking into this quilt shop or really knowing much about it, I thought quilt shops sold quilts, right? I mean, you see the sign quilt shop and you think they sell quilts. And I thought that they were um, grandma's um, quilt shop where grandmas get together and make quilts and hang them up or put them on a rack or something and sell them. And that's not it at all. It's a beautiful um, premium fabric store is what it is. Um, so it's full of you know, premium quality fabric that you um, would purchase to make heirloom quality quilts, okay? So when you walk in, you're surrounded by all this color and these textures and all this inspiration to create, not just quilts, but anything with fabric. And um, so I bought it and it was um, prior to having the quilt shop, I also had uh, booths like at the Peck thing or in an antique mall. So I had that um, going for me, that experience, I absolutely loved it. And so I was able to blend my retail experience on Marshall Field way back, my marketing experience, now my teaching experience, and I became an educator. So now I can use that to teach and train. Um, and my love of creation and all things pretty. I love stuff that's pretty and I'm very proud of that, of being, a, I mean, I'm a girly girl and I like it. Um, I like it a lot. And it just seems like there's not much of that out there. And so I embrace it and women that walk into my shop now, I mean, as you can see, even from my background right here, um, I love romantic florals and pretty pink and lace and all that gorgeous feminine stuff. And it does not mean I'm a little girl or I'm weak. No, it means that I'm very comfortable with being a woman and I love that. And when women walk into my store and see that, they love it. And so it gives them a place to come and be safe and explore and be inspired amongst other women. And there's also men quilters too that are, are great quilters. So it's not just women, but yeah, I mean, it's really given me a place to just really truly be me. I'm super grateful. So prior to buying the quilt shop, you, it sounded like you said that you would have, you would have a booth out at like the Peck thing or like a craft, mm -hmm. craft um, event or something like that. What, what antique were you, mall. antique mall? Okay. So what, what did you, um, what were your goods there? What were, what were the goods that you had at, at those pre, pre quilt shop? Okay. Yeah. Um, those were, I would collect vintage linens or very, I was, and I still look for it, very feminine um, vintage like kitchen items or bathroom items or sewing items, um, stuff that has roses, I mean pink roses, that's just my world. So um, I would collect that kind of stuff and out of the vintage linens, I would sell some of them just the way they were, but I would also take them and turn them into pillows, purses, other things that it is unexpected. Mm. And they were just lovely. And women loved them and I mean, they bought them easily. I also had a, an Etsy shop too, and a blog. Mm. A blog, um, tell, tell, what, mm -hmm. what was in the blog? Tell, me, tell us what, what the blog was about. 
Well, the blog is called um, onceuponarosegarden.blogspot.com. It's still there. I need to update it. I need to decide and give my give that some time again. Um, I would dump there, and I say dump because it's kind of a place where I could just unload myself. Um, I would have some inspirational um, pieces there. So what, you know, what inspired me? What would give me strength to keep me going? Um, I would share my faith there. I had a section called wisdom from my mother's kitchen table. And, um, you know, when we're younger, we think that our parents, oh, they don't know anything. And when we get older, we realize, okay, they actually do know something. <laughs> you know, we need to start listening to them. See, maybe we didn't earlier. So I would share some stuff like that. Um, creations, patterns, stuff I was making. Um, I made scripture hearts, old vintage linens that I would write scripture on and sew and just stuff from my heart, truly. Gotcha. Okay. So, so re regarding now over the last five years with the quilt shop, obviously it's, uh, it, it's like many, many things, right? It's one of those, it's going to be, um, uh, I, I would think it, 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 it would be on one hand, a destination, uh, location, you know, I mean, people go there, um, intentionally are going there they're not you know like at the mall where you know some people are intentional about going to a particular store but sometimes it's just they're just shopping at the mall and they, they happen to pass by something um and it sounds like what you're saying is that once you walk into the quilt shop it's like an experience happens it's the beginning of an experience it is and so, i even tell my employees in our staff meetings that our most important product that we sell it's not a thing at all. It's how we make people feel when they walk in the door and more importantly, how they feel when they leave. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with what they purchase. Nice. Okay. And, and how have you, what, what, how have you seen that kind of, um, cause as, as obviously as the leader of, of this organization, you invite your, your staff to buy into the same vision. Right. And what are some, if, if you just off the top of your head without sharing any names, sure. what's, what's an example of uh, how one of your staff members have taken that on and have um, embodied that and really lived what you just invited them to do? Okay. Yeah, there, there are several examples. So I'll just give you kind of an overview, a brief overview. Um, one of my policies is that if someone walks through that door, and needs something or um, has, you know, has a need for something, some help of something. And we have the time, the resources and the skill to do it. Whether it fits our description or not, we do it. And so if we're, if we're you know, it's a quilt shop. So we're not really a sewing center. I mean, we also, I'm also a machine dealer. I mean, I still sew machines, but we're not a, um, we're not like a garment sewing center, you know what I mean? Okay, so, but a farmer walks in the door and he needs something fixed on his overalls. Um, do we have the time? Do we have the resources? And do we have the skill? If we have those, even though that's not one of the services we normally offer, yes, we're gonna do that. We're gonna take care of that farmer because it took him courage to walk through that door and ask for help. So we do that. Um, another one was a new mom walked in the door and uh, needed help finishing a baby quilt for a good friend who was in the hospital delivering the baby that day. Baby came early. This young woman needed help. You could tell she was a very new quilter. Um, we took that and we finished it for her that day. Mm. We took care of it for her. We had the time. We had the resources. We had the, you know, the ability to do that. Um, we did that because it's the right thing to do. You make, you know, you treat people the way you want to treat your neighbors. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. need to treat your, your, your family. Gotcha. And we do that. We also offer them coffee or tea or hot chocolate or sure, book sure. to look at while they're waiting. Yes. Sure. That's... Okay. You had said when we were talking earlier is that in, in the, the space, specifically with the quilt shop, but then probably it carries over outside of the quilt shop because I know for me um, with, with 
specifically KP and then later with, um, with SOS, with Shatter Our Silence, it wasn't just within the space of me, you know, in the, in the brick and mortar aspect of KP or, or wherever I was presenting regarding SOS, it may be at the grocery store. It may be if I'm at the bookstore, wherever I may be, it may, there may be an opportunity um, to, to talk with someone about something or maybe more important, listen to someone about that. And you had talked about um, finding yourself in uh, opportunities for, to be, uh, inspiration you, to, to, you know, to maybe, um, uh, to be able to be that hope or that light for someone. Um, in that case, you were just referring to the farmer that may need something fixed or the, the young, um, the young woman who wanted to help this young mom out. Um, in, in those cases, it was providing a service. Um, and obviously it was how you were, how you were providing that service, um, had a lot to do with the story. So tell, us, tell me a little bit about intentionally wanting to be, to, to radiate hope or inspiration. Okay. Um, and, and I do feel that that's my, um, very, very much my calling. Um, it's my, it's my, actually my prayer. Uh, and, and especially since I bought the shop. Uh, my prayer when I bought the shop I mean, literally on my way to the store um, each day is, you know, Lord, please show me how to use this shop to do your good, to do your work, work through me, work through the shop so that, um, so that I can use this blessing to do your work. Now, I'm not a real evangelical, preachy kind of faithful person at all. Okay. So some people here in this would be like, oh, I had no idea she was that way. Absolutely, I am. It's rock solid. But so I, um, and I did, you know, I recently watched, well, actually, it was a real recent one of yours about how you said there, there really is no darkness. There's just an absence of light. for me in my journey and struggle with depression on many different levels in my life um, I have found that just being grateful for life for um, connection for other people that I to let uh, to show that and so I show that by just extending simple kindnesses and that can be something as simple as um, opening a door for somebody. Smiles go a huge, long way. I mean, now with our masks on, it's so hard because we can't always see people's smiles. But um, just giving somebody a, a very cheerful, bright, warm hello and a smile is huge. Um, I have also found myself, uh, especially in the last few years, being willing to be very real and very genuine with who I am and what I'm going through. I mean, for instance, when my husband left our marriage, um, just a couple of years into owning the shop, it was devastating, absolutely devastating. I mean, I understand some of why it happened, but wow, I, I mean, the rug just tipped me right over. And um, I allowed myself to open up and share some of that and to share my pain and to let my customers and my audience at the shop know that, yes, I'm hurting and I do need support and I do need help. And by golly, I had a tribe rally around me and hold me up just beautifully. And I'm so grateful that I've opened up and I did that. Now, some people said, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You should, you know, be strong. It's gonna scare people away from your shop. And I thought, well then, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna be me, I'm gonna be real because there's other people out there that are hurting that are embarrassed or that are ashamed to come out and let people see that life happens. I mean, we all go through pain. It happens to all of us. And by being genuine and open and transparent and allowing myself to be vulnerable, 
I gained a lot of connection with people. And so I wanted to do the same with my struggle with depression because I own this beautiful, inspiring, happy quilt shop that ladies walk into for their own therapy, just like what I used to do. And a lot of them have no idea. So I've started opening up more and talking to people and letting them know in person. And I mean, when people are grieving, we've had people come in just for hugs. You know, now with COVID, it's different, but, um, and I, if my shop does nothing more but pay the roof over my head and feeds me enough so I can survive, but it provides a warm place for inspiration and for people to come and, and nourish their soul and their spirit, then I have succeeded. But I want that to go beyond those walls so that I can start to reach out to others to let them know that, you know what, me too. I've struggled with it for years and it's okay. We can talk about it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's okay. Well, I think, you know, you, you mentioned Brene Brown earlier, and I think that one of the many things I admire about her, about her and her work is that she's very transparent about her own, her own journey of, uh, of, <laughs> as she mentions in one of her Ted talks about how, you know, she was just going to do counseling for like a, a one or two and done, um, because she didn't need that much help. And she already knew what her problem was. And, um, and that she, thank goodness, worked with a therapist that, uh, as she came to find out knew more than she did. Um, and, uh, and she talked about that, aspect of being authentic and being vulnerable and that through vulnerability there's courage that 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 we it's to to choose to be vulnerable isn't necessarily um it may feel like it if we aren't sharing you know if we're not used to sharing it may feel like we're burdening somebody because we're we're talking right i i think a, a good general rule of thumb is is that if my if my tendency is to talk a lot about everything that's going on in my life, maybe I need to pause and, and listen and discern what I'm going to share. And if my tendency is to not talk about my thoughts or feelings or whatever, then maybe I need to pause and then muster up the courage to be vulnerable. Um, Cause we all have our own tendencies and some some have tendency to just to talk and not say anything and others have a tendency not to talk or share anything um and we got to first maybe start with where what's our tendency and then and then work from there and and as you mentioned learning learning to share your story as you're listening to someone and recognizing that you sharing an aspect of your journey may help them mm -hmm. know that they're not alone, that it's mm -hmm. possible, um, that, that yes, it isn't, you don't have to be in silence about it. Um, I think all those things are um, a gift to someone else. I agree with you. And I can say that um, it was about, gosh, maybe it was a month, six weeks after my husband left. The, the narrative that kept going in my head, you know, because we all have these mm -hmm. stories that we tell ourselves, our thoughts, you know, our own narrative. Um, I mean, as, as, as my son Hunter says, you know, the narrative that you play in your head is the mental trapping that you hold yourself hostage to. I mean, it's so absolutely true. Um, I, I so much wanted to change my narrative. So Brene Brown, that's when I discovered her. And so I started playing audiobooks um, through Audible. I mean, you can get them through lots of different avenues, but, and it was her book, Dare to Lead, that it was my first listen on her. And super powerful. She gave me the courage, literally, to, um, yeah, to just be me and to, yep, I was in pain and I was a mess. And here I was now running my shop all by myself. And yeah, it was hard and I was afraid. And I put it out there and I got the support and how wonderful. Yeah. It does take a village to run a quilt shop, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. In, in, in probably more ways than one, right? So, yeah, it does. So, so, so I have to ask because I, um, the closest thing, I mean, I remember growing up 
and thinking about uh, you know my grandmother making quilts right and and then hearing about you know ladies that were quilt, you know made quilts and stuff and then probably the closest thing in my in my household was that there was a time period where my wife would make um, blankets um, and my my niece um, would you know she would make blankets and then she you know even you know when COVID first started then she started making masks and different things like that mm-hmm. so I mean having a and you and you've done a great job because you've just already expanded my experience um, that it's not just about going and buying quilts but it's coming in and there's fabric to make your own quilt but how 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 do you learn how to make a quilt how do you how does that um, if you don't if you didn't have an aunt or a grandmother or a mom or a dad or an uncle or whatever teaching you how to make a quilt how does a person go about learning how to make a quilt? There are lots of different ways today, thank goodness. Um, there are tons of tutorials on the computer. So on um, Craftsy, craftsy.com. Um, of course on eBay, I mean, there are so many videos on how to start quilting that uh, the, the internet is saturated with them. Now when it's non-COVID time, we do have uh, classes for beginner quilters, intermediate, um, some advanced, you know, depending. Um, so, and also the other thing is that I think I, that I am really proud of our shop about is, you know, when I bought the shop, I was not an expert quilter. I'm still not an expert quilter and that's fine. Um, so when people come in and they're like, oh, I could never do this or I could never do this fancy stuff. And I'm like, that's okay, me neither. <laughs> and I own the shop. So there's no quilt police there. Um, but to, to learn how to quilt, what to do, I mean, if you have a, a, just a general love of fabric and textiles and creation and just want to be inspired, all you have to do is reach out to the shop or just search the internet. It's out there. Perfect. Beginning quilting online or, oh, there's tons of it. But if you like the person, the person, I mean, once COVID stops, any number of quilt shops, there's several in Rockford. I mean, but there's lots of us in um, that's the other thing. The quilt shops is nice. We all work together. It's not a doggy dog type situation, at least not for the most part. So, yeah, we can share the love. Absolutely. Perfect. So, so Cassie, what's the best way if someone uh, listening was interested in your shop or interested in learning more about your shop or coming, you know, when you're open, coming, visiting, what's the best way for them to uh, be in contact with you or what's the, uh, what's the address to the shop? So if you could just share that a little bit. All right. Well, and we do have an online store and we ship coast to coast. Um, We've shipped all over the country and that has grown just incredibly our website address is www.luckytobequilting.com. And that's lucky, the number two, the letter B, quilting.com. So we do have a website, gets lots of traffic, online store there. We also have a Facebook page, lots of followers there. I do Facebook Lives at least once a week. So um, tutorials and things there too. And then the address is 423 Main Street in Pecatonica. And Pecatonica is between Rockford and Freeport. It's about a half hour west of Rockford. Charming little town. Absolutely love it out here. Oh, and of course, the phone number 815-239-1026. Right now, we're not open every day. We're not even open to walk in traffic, but we will be starting in February. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 10 to 5, Saturday, 10 to 3. Well, Cassie, I really have enjoyed uh, listening to you talk about not only your own story and and what you've learned along the way, but then maybe even most important through your experience with the shop and your experience in life um, of how to um, emerge out of that shy little girl um, who, who is struggling with some things. Um, and now um, having the courage to share your share your story when it may be able to help someone else. So, as we wrap up, what if there was anything that you would want uh, any of the listeners to hear? What would be one thing you would want to to leave with them? Um, gosh, no matter how hard life can be, 
sometimes no matter how disappointing, how broken, how tragic, absolutely tragic it can be, um, one thing you can count on is that things will always change. Things will always change. There is always hope. There is always someone else out there who can understand and relate to what you're going through. Always. Maybe hard to find them, but they're there. So hold that in your heart. And um, perfect. It's got me going. So. Well, Cassie, I think you did a great, great message about the combination of of there's time when we need to sit and be and allow ourselves to grieve. Um, there's a time when we need to be in solitude. Um, there's a time when we need to uh, share. And there's a time when we need to take action and, um, and, and move um, because uh, there's, it's, it's all those things at the same time. It's just making sure um, which one of those things we need to do at the, at the moment we're in right now. So uh, Cassie, thank you very much for being with us today and, and sharing some of your story and, um, and, and sharing your, uh, your, your, your gift to the community uh, through, uh, through your quilt shop. Well, and I just wanted to mention one more thing too, that in going on starting in February, because of the journey that I've been on and because of how much KP counseling in particular has helped me through the, my, ther my therapy there. Um, and because of my belief in SOS, what you're doing there, because I mean, we have suffered for, through suicide in our very own family. Um, my shop starting in February is going to have quilts, finished quilts up for auction. Um, it'll be on our homepage. The proceeds, 100% of the proceeds from those quilts sold will go directly to SOS. So those will be up for auction the month of February. So at the end of February, that those auctions will end and all of those funds. So people can get a quilt knowing the money that they paid for it will go to benefit what you're doing well cassie thank you very much and i know um uh just and just to let everyone know what those resources um that are donated to sos what that primarily is used for it's twofold one is to raise awareness about what are the factors that lead to young adult suicide and that's through either through things that we do online or through the stickers or the wristbands or um purchasing shirts or whatever it may be and then the second piece is when we are able to go into a school system or go into a church or go um, and be able to actually educate young adults, um, their, their parents or significant others, as well as the professionals that, um, that work with those young adults. And young adults, meaning from late grade school, middle school, all the way up to college age, it's really how to help them find um, hope and light in the darkness. So uh, I very much appreciate, um, and I speak for the SOS board as well, I very much appreciate um, for the students that we have yet met uh, that you're going to help uh, your shop and the community are going to help um, help fund that. Wonderful. Thank you, Kevin. Well, thank you again. And uh, keep sharing your story and, uh, um, and having your quilt shop as a beacon um, for people as they are on their journey as well. So thank, thank you, you very much. Okay, thank you.